0: The Rural Health Voice, episode 93, reopening Patrick County Hospital. Welcome to the Rural Health Voice. I am Beth O'Connor, your host. We discuss rural health issues at the grassroots level and how state and federal policies play out in our local communities. Who is Foresight Health and why are they coming to rural Virginia? Dr. Samir Suhail joined me to discuss his commitment to the people of Patrick County. Well, welcome, Doctor Sahel.
1: Well, thank you, Beth, for having me on.
0: Absolutely appreciate you taking the time while you're traveling to meet with us. And I want to start out by getting in the way back machine. How did you first become interested in healthcare?
1: Well, when I was young, I, I grew up in a family household of working class family, They're not even a working class family. My parents migrated from from the Middle East back in the late mid late seventies and. My dad was a hard working man. He worked five years in a steel mill, U.S. steel at the time, and grew up and coming, I mean, you're talking about families that migrate from other countries, and I grew up in areas that were pretty much poverty-line, working-class families. So my parents wanted to educate us and make sure that we got the opportunity to grow up and be a very educated people, and the United States is a, is a country of opportunity, and... and They loved it, and we grew up loving it. And we're blessed to get that opportunity. And and they were very supportive. And I just growing up loved healthcare, and basically grew up in communities that were in need of healthcare. And again, I don't want to go into the details that probably bore you detail by detail. But I can I can tell you, for example, the areas that I went to the universities and colleges. Are not very rich areas. We didn't live in very rich areas. We we ended up basically a mother was a housewife, dad was a working man and supported this family and went to school and just kept on supporting us and telling us you you gotta finish your school, you gotta do this. Whether you become a doctor, an engineer, or a lawyer, you have to be successful. This is land of opportunity. We're blessed to be here. And we just loved it. And at the end of the day, you go to college and you see what you, you want to be in where your roads take you. And healthcare was something that I was in tune with. And going into healthcare, I did my basic sciences and I took my prerequisites in my college and thanks for the United States. I mean, it's given me the opportunity. I, I was on financial aid at the time. Again, it's nothing to be ashamed of. I'm blessed to be where I'm at right now. and And I, I wish everybody gets that opportunity. And growing up, been going to college and school. I just loved the fact of trying to reach out and help others and 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 make a difference in people's lives. So healthcare was really the the best option for me growing up. And basically got into medical school. We hit a couple of bumps in medical school. Took some time off back and forth because I got married when I was young. And at the end of the day, you have to be very supportive to your family too as well. So uh, took some semesters off, came back, and like everybody else, and ended up basically continuing. And what really made a difference for me was basically the clinicals during my healthcare career, and where I did my clinicals. I did my clinicals in underserved areas. I did my clinicals in areas that, that did not have the opportunity of for for people that, that are basically getting the proper healthcare and the proper facilities and and services. So that kind of put things in perspective for me where I really wanted to make a difference. And that's when I really kind of veered into healthcare business. And I started exploring the opportunity of opening, for example, an IDTF center or Creating a medical education group for uh, US graduates and, and, and foreign graduates for opportunities where they can act- actually come and, and, and explore areas where you can actually see real healthcare and areas where there isn't services. And so it, it just kind of took me from one area to the other, to be honest with you, Beth.
0: And now you are the CEO of Foresight Health. What's the purpose of that organization?
1: So the purpose of that organization was basically for us, I mean, it really started off, I, I, throughout my years, like I said, I started with medical education, giving the opportunity to medical graduates like myself. uh, All of my clinicals were done in underserved hospitals, community hospitals, and it, it was very tough, especially as a foreign medical graduate. Throughout the opportunity, I've opened different healthcare entities and those entities kind of, some of them shined, some of them didn't shine. and. And like every other business, you have wins and you have losses. So the past couple of years, I kind of sat down and explored. I, I have a great counsel, and I've known him for the past 10 years of my life. He, he's been more than family to me, him and his family, Joseph Heilig-Reinholtz. He, he's, he's guided me through several aspects of healthcare, care, and, and he's, he's, he's a great attorney, counsel, and a vice chair of Foresight Health. And we've come up with the idea of let's create a system, especially when we we found that Patrick County was deprived from losing their hospital, Pioneer. So we decided, why don't we just create a system and focus on rural hospitals and some of the population and some of the communities and the counties that actually have have been deprived from facilities and facilities that have closed down. And so we, we came up with the idea of Foresight Health Hospital System. And uh, that's that's where this came about, basically, Beth.
0: And all of this has been big news in rural Virginia. Foresight is planning to reopen the hospital in Patrick County. Tell us why a Chicago-based company cares about what happens in rural Virginia.
1: Well, to be honest with you, I've I've throughout my life I've opened again different businesses, help educate upcoming physicians and medical education was the pioneer thing for me. And I I never got the opportunity of actually really, really making a huge, huge difference. And I I mean, I've tried multiple times, and I've tried to work with urban hospitals, and even the urban hospitals that I've worked with, they're all in underserved areas. So my focus was to to focus on, on areas where there's a demand, basically, and there's there's an opportunity to make a difference in people's lives. So throughout my life, again, like I mentioned before, I opened IDTF centers in on the, on the east side of Chicago, and explored opportunity on the west side of Chicago. I've educated foreign medical graduates and and helped. U.S. graduates do their electives in community hospitals. It wasn't anything where that I was focusing on monetary aspects, or but it did come, yes, absolutely, like every other business. But the reality is, we I, I got the opportunity, and like I said a couple of years ago, year and a half ago, me and Joe have explored other opportunities. We tried to acquire several hospitals, and and make make them better and, and, and get the opportunity to make a difference. Unfortunately, that wasn't successful. So we said, well, this is an opportunity to take this hospital and, and definitely put a difference in that community. And we looked at the studies, we looked at the statistics, we looked at the facts of why these hospitals have been closing down. And there's various reasons. I mean, sometimes it has to do with reimbursement. Sometimes it has to do with the volume of patients or maybe administration wasn't properly correct and management wasn't qualified in order to run these facilities appropriately. So there were several reasons. And however, we, we looked at the main reason and said, what well, that shouldn't be a factor. The factor here should be that these hospitals should be able to exist in these communities for the population and for the people in the, of of those communities. So whether, I mean, again, there's huge systems out there, Beth, and these systems are making trillions and billions of dollars. And I'm not going against these systems. These systems are actually helping a lot of these communities. Unfortunately, these smaller communities like Patrick County, Store, and rural areas like Virginia, they're... They're not being focused on. However, who's missing out? It's really the population. I mean, we don't have to make billions and trillions and and, and hundreds of millions of dollars. I mean, at at the end of the day, everybody can make a living. A hospital exists because you can help provide service, healthcare service, which is a necessity of life, but you also employ people. You also feed people. You put food on the table. So there are several factors here that, that, that play a great role. Of, 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 uh, of creating these smaller entities and, and making them exist.
0: You know, we think about Foresight as a for-profit company, but there's a difference between making $100,000 or a $1 million dollars or a billion dollars. Why take on the risk of a rural hospital?
1: Well, it's 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 really not a risk, Beth. If you think about it, I mean, rural hospitals, if they're run properly, Beth. I'm not looking to make a hundred million dollars. I'm not looking to make ten million dollars. I mean, at the end of the day, if you make a hundred thousand dollars, five hundred thousand, a million dollars, net profit at the end of the year, you're not only running a facility. It's not a really. You see, the, the factor here isn't really just about just making. Buku money. At the end of the day, you, you're giving the opportunity. It goes back to the idea of what I said. You're giving the opportunity for people to actually have something, which is a necessity of life, which is basically healthcare, but also employing them. Also, again, my idea of opening the Closed Pioneer Hospital is really giving the opportunity for healthcare to exist. Now, in that community, in Stewart and Patrick Count, it, it it's not really the fact that being a for-profit or a non-for-profit. As a matter of fact, there are non-for-profits that are making much more money. I can, if I really wanted, I could I could have created a non-for-profit and put myself on a payroll and paid myself a million dollars a year. I mean, and, and and put several other employees and and created a model where where oh okay we yeah, have we're a non-for-profit we're coming in. And, and you see this exist in in, in today's society, but that's, I, I'm being a realist and, and being a realist is I'm not, I'm not looking to be fake and say, oh, I want to create a non-for-profit. No, I'm creating a for-profit. H- however, I'm not looking to be rich overnight. I'm not looking to be basically bring in millions and millions of dollars. I mean, this is a small hospital we're talking about. We're talking about a like a 10, 15, 20 bed, probably a 10 bed psych, which is really, really highly in demand, especially with addiction and the treatments and, and, and some of the issues that relate to uh, depression and uh, psychiatric services that, that, that are being neglected and deprived in a lot of these rural communities.
0: Now, in general, the people in Patrick County that I have talked to about the hospital reopening have been very skeptical with a, I'll believe it when I see it attitude. What would you say to relieve their concerns?
1: I'm going to tell you one thing, Beth, and and there's nothing better than being straightforward and honest. I mean, obviously, and, and I don't blame the community. At the end of the day, they've been disappointed before with Pioneer. There's nobody that stepped forward in the past, from 2017 till the time we took over. Everybody can make promises at the end of the day. It doesn't mean these promises are going to be fulfilled. However, we're moving forward. And this is a promise that I've have given the community. I've gotten the opportunity, believe it or not, and I've gotten offers. To basically sell my shares out of that hospital, and I have refused. And and my attorney Joseph Heilig Reinholz can attest to that too, as well. He was on a conversation with the with the calls where we've had investors that wanted to come in and wanted to change the model and didn't want to create critical access. You they wanted to create a hospital that can just bring in money and revenue and 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 be very profitable. And I and I refused. And I refused. And and I and I said that's. Uh, me and Joseph said that's not that's not what we have promised, and that's not what our intention is. That's not what foresight's vision is. So we want to continue with our vision, and all I can say is basically we're still focused and determined to, for to the, committed to the community, and the importance of the facility to exist in that community is definitely our priority as a critical access to create an emergency room service in the ed department but also to add psychiatric services which can offset some of our losses that we might even take however and i can reassure the community that we just as a matter of fact just received an email today with the search certificate of public need uh for the approval of 10 sites. if i mean we, we're moving forward. If we were moving forward, none of this would have existed. I would have not got, I, as a matter of fact, today's, I just got the certificate today in an email and, and we're very proud and we're very joyful and happy. And I share. I, I hope I am going to share that with the community and with the leaders of the community. And we've extended our, our respect and, and our interest in anybody that would like to come in from the community to be a participant or part of Foresight and and we still abide by these rules and abide by these laws of 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 what we initially implemented since day one since we took over the hospital so these are facts however you have to keep in mind like every other institution like every other business you run into bumps I mean we're still facing the world is still facing inflation and supply chain demand issues. It's impacted the ability to open the facility and with the timelines and things might happen, yes, where you're going to encounter bumps absolutely doesn't mean that it's not going to happen where the hospital is not going to open. There's a lot of there's a lot of progress in, in, in the background that's taking place. And a lot of developments that are taking place. And I can guarantee you that our promise is kept for the community and for Patrick County. And we hope that, that they believe in us and they continue to be optimistic about this. At the end of the day, nothing forced me to buy that facility and, and, and give these promises. And I hope that I get the opportunity to fulfill these promises for everybody. That's the honest truth and the transparency of it.
0: And we appreciate that. Let's talk some more about the supply chain issues. Your timeline for reopening the facility was very aggressive, but we know you've experienced some delays. How are you dealing with that?
1: B- believe it or not, we're dealing with that with with communicating on a weekly basis, bi weekly basis. We have weekly we have weekly calls with all of the consultants. we I'm reaching out myself to <laughs> contractors. i'm, I'm I'm negotiating with architects. I've gotten to a point where I've actually last week discussed this with my legal counsel and my advisor that even if I have to fly people from other state lines across state lines of Virginia to get this done in a timely manner, I'm going to have to start doing that and, and approaching it that. So we're working more in an aggressive approach right now. One of our main issues was the, uh, and for the uh, COPN, certification of public need for the psychiatric services. We wanted, again, the facility has to be done, Beth, in a certain way where you, you can't just open the doors. This is a healthcare facility. You have to, again, again there's certain guidelines. There's, there's a lot this is not a a clinic or an urgent care center. You have to make sure that the safety codes are met, permits, licensure, MAR services, electronic medical recording services, Medicare approvals. There's a lot in the background that a lot of people don't understand the dynamics of. For example, HMR takes six to nine months just to implement that type of service in there. Again, there's a lot of rules and regulations. Uh, when it comes down to healthcare, So we're, we're dealing with it and we're very hopeful that we're going to get it done soon. And I just want to assure the community and reassure Patrick County and, and Stewart and the south side of Virginia that you know what our promise is still kept and we might be delayed in time. Yes, absolutely. But that doesn't change the facts. The facts are there. Uh, we just I just got an email, and I'm very proud and happy that we just got the certificate of need, an official certificate of need from the Commonwealth of Virginia. And this would be great and very joyful. And I hope the community keeps its hopes up and, and still believes in us.
0: Now, we talked earlier about you just got the certification to open a 10-bed psychiatric and substance abuse unit. We've covered behavioral health issues frequently in this podcast, along with the need for more services. What are your hopes for the unit?
1: It's the demand. At the end of the day, we've been to Virginia multiple times. And the leaders and a lot of the officials and the community themselves have spoken. And and you hear what you do is you you sit down and you soak in what, what the community needs are. And from what I gather, there are problems, there are addiction problems, there are issues. Again, we live in a society today where young people are depressed and the world's evolving, things are changing. So there's a need, there's an existence of of mental health issues that we have to face. And it's very unfortunate. And from what we've heard, the feedback from the community and the leaders is that there are no facilities, there are no services, there are no providers that can offer these services. So it, it, it's very unfortunate that, that that's missing. That's a big component of healthcare that's missing. And I'm very hopeful that we're going to be able to service and help a lot of the people that are in need. So it's, it's very sad to say, but unfortunately, it's a good thing because we're bringing something that's that's needed.
0: As part of the process of reopening the hospital, Foresight made the decision to bring Jeanette Philpye back to the community. She was the CEO of the facility five years before it closed. Why is she the right choice for Patrick County?
1: Well, I'm going to be honest with you. I've met Jeanette multiple times. The first time I met her, she's a very nice lady. But I want to make this very clear, and Jeanette is as a consultant right now with Foresight Health we have not chosen the chief executive officer yet for Foresight Health yes could be one of the options but Foresight Health has not made the decision who would be the chief executive officer of of the Petro County Hospital reopening however i can tell you she has helped us tremendously this is a woman that basically cares for her community obviously you you're always going to have people that like you and dislike you but from what i've seen over the year that I've known her for, she did a tremendous job. And again, when she was with Pioneer, she didn't own the hospital. She was an executive, yes, that made decisions. I can't speak on what type of decisions she did or or or, or how she ran the hospital. And unfortunately, yes, it did collapse. It could be, again, the system was not a successful model. Maybe it was previously and, and and it took a turn. However, as a person, I know her as a great person and, and she had helped us with the community and knowing people in the community and, and, and helping. However, when it comes down to making a decision who will run the hospital as the chief executive officer, that's something that's still in the pipeline. And I've made it very clear to my counsel too as well and my chief vice of operations that we're definitely going to get an, an ethics create an ethics committee where we're going to create an advisory committee there will be committees that will be created where we choose the right person that can make the proper decisions and and we're hoping to find great candidates I mean at the end of the day, there's nothing wrong with helping somebody, having somebody on your team from the community that has previously had experience from the hospital. Again, I've, I haven't seen anything wrong from her. She's been great. Her husband's been great. Family, who's just many great people. She's been in healthcare for quite some time. Uh, and again, you're going to get opposition and you're going to get people that like you and don't like you. So it's, it's very unfortunate. But at the end of the day, this is, this is the society we live in. Beth.
0: Absolutely. And I am a big fan of Jeanette's as well. I was happy to see her listed. Yeah, she's a,
1: a great person.
0: So along with the CEO slot, if people in the region are interested in other opportunities for employment at the new facility, what options are there?
1: There are options. We have, I think, last year, I think in the second or Third quarter, we, we were taking applications in and there are options and the closer we to opening, obviously there'll be an interview process that will take place. There will be uh, a certain team that will interview a lot of these individuals that are qualified, and, and that even if they require training, we don't mind as well. But our priority is to hire people from the community. That's 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 our major priority too as well, other than just providing healthcare services for the community. We want to recreate and incentivize that community. I mean, the hospital exists there for them. It's not for anybody else. So there are opportunities that are going to come, and the creation of jobs, absolutely.
0: Right. The Virginia Rural Health Association currently has a, a federal grant to help encourage people to look at healthcare careers. So we are happy to look at partnering with you on that in the future.
1: I appreciate that very much. And I'm looking forward to partnering with anybody. As a matter of fact, even if it doesn't bring in a dime or a dollar to foresight, as long as it helps the community, I'm all for it. But believe me, my staff knows it, my executives know it, and my team know it. So at the end of the day, again, it's not all about monetary aspects, but it's really about giving back.
0: I see that one of the services Foresight provides is medical education. Are you planning on hosting medical residents in Patrick County?
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. Again, I I go back to what I told you initially, right after I graduated, I kind of like focused on a medical education group where we created a medical education group. And uh, the medical education group was there to help doctors, people that came from other countries that were in healthcare and and, and give them the opportunity to provide and learn healthcare and, and graduate and, and get into their residency and then work at the same hospitals where they did their clinical clerkships and their rotations. So medical education has always been in my heart and, and, and that's something I'm definitely gonna move forward with and Hundred percent, I'd like to do and love to do and work with and creating residency programs, and, and that gives and, and keep in mind that that gives us the opportunity for physicians, nurses, and PAs, and different different healthcare sectors like physical therapists, occupational therapists, anything in the healthcare sector that comes in and younger generation to get jobs and 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 give them the opportunity to train, and we want to create that absolutely. This is something that I've always been passionate about, and I, this is the first thing that I did. Didn't practice, and at the end of the day, my my major goal was healthcare business, and medical education was my first thing, and that's something that I'm a very I'm an expert in. And till this day, I still bring in foreign medical, not only graduates but physicians. I bring in physicians from other countries that have been surgeons for twenty years, and that come to urban hospitals in, for example, Chicago and. They want to learn a technique in bariatrics or minimal invasive surgery, and they want to go back to their countries. And they come in for one year, and they do training, and and, and they learn from great physicians that we have in the U.S. And again, we're very, the United States is very advanced in, in healthcare, and, and we take pride of it. And at the end of the day, we teach others and everybody else. So this is something, again, that's dear to my heart. Great.
0: So, the last question, question I ask all my guests, if you could do anything, what would you do to improve health and health care in rural America?
1: If I can do anything, I would definitely do one thing. I would make sure that there are grants, federal reimbursements, state reimbursements to support all of those hospitals in rural areas not to shut down to exist and to incentivize them for the communities in those areas you have to keep in mind those areas are deprived not only in healthcare but in other aspects of businesses so as i go back to the idea healthcare is like food we're all going to get sick at some point in our lives we're going to require medication treatment the great pandemic i mean you you've seen that that took place and and at the end of the day if urban areas weren't having difficulties imagine these areas in rural in 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 rural districts in rural in, in rural america so i i would this is something i would definitely if i've ever had the opportunity to speak in front of congress or a senate or in in front of a, a panel I, one thing i would support is taking a look at the stats. And over the past year, I've studied a lot about why rural healthcare hospitals have been closing. And it's because of they're not getting the proper support. And and that's very sad. It's very unfortunate. Even if there isn't a high demand volume, it has to exist. We have an aging population. We have a younger population that wants to see improvements. It's like you're sitting at home. If there's no food in the fridge, I mean, how are you going to feel? Imagine if you don't have a hospital and you have to travel for an hour or an hour and a half just to get emergency services, or if somebody's facing mental health issues, depression, or something along those lines. So this is something that I would definitely advocate for. And I would like, love to see change and definitely be part of.
0: Well, I love that answer and can get behind all that all the way.
1: I thank you very much, Matt.
0: Thank you so much for joining us today. We appreciate your time. Thank
1: you very much, Matt. And anytime. And I appreciate you and, and your team and everybody else. And uh, and I hope everybody stays optimistic and hopeful and we get through these bumps. And hopefully we, we get it open and would love to have you too at the opening.
0: We will be there.
1: Thank you so much.
0: Thank you. That's Dr. Suhail advocating for support in rural communities. If you want to be part of the conversation about rural health, check out the Virginia Rural Health Association on Facebook and Twitter. An updated COVID vaccine restores your protection. Even though COVID is still out there, you can be too, more safely. We can do this. Find updated COVID vaccines at vaccines.gov paid for by the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. On behalf of Virginia Tech's Graduate Public Health Association, we would like to wish you a happy National Public Health Week. National Public Health Week celebrates many aspects of public health, including rural health, which we know is important to the listeners of this podcast. We encourage you to learn more about National Public Health Week and how you can get involved not just this week, but year-round. Visit nphw.org to learn more.